Back up top, shot through traffic, save made, follow-up try, that one hits a body in front, and a score! It's a score! It's a score! And the Ice Bears have a 4-3 lead with 30 seconds remaining in the hockey game! Oh, what a hit! Welcome to the SPHL in Knoxville! Comes in on the right side, through the right circle, taking it and fed across, they score! Oh, yes! And the Ice Bears win 3-2 in overtime! Welcome into the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. My name is Joel Silverberg. I appreciate you taking the time to check out the KIB podcast, whether you're doing so on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or on Spotify. Thank you so much for taking the time to check out the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast. And three games in four days for Knoxville, and now they've got a six-game road stretch up ahead of them, and it's going to be a couple of long weeks for Knoxville, some long trips. They will go to Roanoke on Thursday. They will go to Fayetteville on Sunday. They will go to Quad City for two games the following weekend. They'll go to Vermilion County for a pair, and then they'll come home on Wednesday, December 21st, to play against Roanoke, which will be the fourth time this year by the time we get there. Of course, matchup number three is Knoxville's next game upcoming this Thursday on December 1st. But Knoxville has officially concluded the first full month of the season. Season starts mid-October. The SPHL, they usually kind of include October and November together since only the last 10 days of October are usually included in the regular season. But This has been kind of a a fun stretch here. Knoxville's had some very exciting games. They've gone to overtime three times in their last five games. And Knoxville has a five-game point streak to close out the month of November. And I think when you look at where Knoxville is at this point in time, you have to overall feel pretty good about it. Knoxville is second overall in point percentage. Knoxville is second overall in points. And coming off uh, overall fairly successful weekend where you got five points out of six when you played three games in in four days. So uh, Knoxville got overtime win on the road, rallied in the third period to tie and then defeat Roanoke in overtime and then held off Pensacola on Friday and you know couldn't hang on to a, a third period lead and ultimately had to come back and tie the game in the third period against Pensacola on Saturday, but an exciting finish with 15 seconds left to go. Brady Florence scores the game-tying goal, so after a four-game goal drought, he now uh, ends the month with goals in back-to-back games against the Ice Flyers, and ultimately the Ice Bears fell in a shootout, so another shootout loss for Knoxville, which shootouts can always go either way, but I think all in all, you have to feel pretty good about what Knoxville is able to accomplish when you know, we talked on the podcast last week. You'd love to be able to get six points in three games against three tough opponents. You got five out of six. And so I think for Knoxville, now you don't have to play a, a three-game week for a little while. And you get to focus in on Roanoke. Then you get two days off before you play Fayetteville. Then you get to go and focus on Quad City for a weekend, focus on Vermilion County for a weekend. And then everything's kind of spaced out until you get to the end of December. You play on the 21st, the 23rd, the 26th and the 28th, Um, so no back-to-back games until you play on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day. So feeling pretty good about what Knoxville was able to do, and I think when you look at Knoxville's goaltender situation, Christian Stead gets called up, so Jimmy Perita is starting on Wednesday, then Jimmy's in net again on Friday. Jimmy gets called up and 
goes to Orlando on Saturday morning. And so it's Alec Calvaruso that comes in and plays against his former team. Got peppered with shots. He made 38 saves and was able to withstand a couple of big shots there towards the end of the game. And Knox was able to get the empty net goal to uh, at least grab a point in the standing. So a pretty interesting breakdown on Wednesday when you look at the way that Roanoke kind of dominated the game for stretches. Knoxville had possession and control there in the second period at times. And just when it looked like Knoxville was going to get out of the second period with a scoreless game when Roanoke had a power play opportunity late, a bad bounce off of Elliott St. Pierre that results in a two-on-one. Kyler Matthews in position to take away the cross-ice pass. Really nice saucer pass from Nick Ford uh, over across to Billy Vizzo. And he puts the one-timer past Jimmy Perita. Not really a whole lot that Jimmy could do about that. And Rono takes a one nothing lead with seven seconds left in the second period. It didn't take long for Knoxville to respond. You think in a situation like that, goals are at a premium, shots on goal are at a premium, and Justin McDonald does what he does best and scores less than two minutes into the third. Knoxville weathers a storm from Roanoke over the course of the third period, almost wins it in regulation. They get a power play in overtime. Matthews, on his 25th birthday, then is able to score the overtime game winner. So Knoxville gets a really nice win on the road at Roanoke, especially after Roanoke had uh, beaten Knoxville earlier in the month. And then Knoxville comes back. Plays Pensacola. Pensacola scores less than two minutes into the game. Knoxville responds quickly. They grab the lead less than six minutes later and ultimately held on for a 4-2 to win. And then on Saturday, Knoxville has to kind of strike early. They do. They get the first goal with Cam Huff. He scored two goals on the night. Um, And then back-to-back goals by Pensacola. Kind of just a tough bounce there off Calvarusa that came back for Steven Leonard. And then... uh, Pensacola able to score on a wraparound to take the lead in the third period, and Knoxville ended up taking a penalty with about six minutes to go, so they've got to kill off the power play, and then when it looks like that Pensacola is going to get out for a win, Pensacola hits the post on an empty netter. How many times have we seen that at the Civic Coliseum this year? Knoxville's able to take the puck up. Pensacola nearly got it back in the Knoxville zone. Knoxville stole it again, found Justin McDonald. He was able to get it to Florent. Florent fed it across to Dino Balsamo, And his shot from the high slot appeared to be blocked and kind of pinballed behind Christian Pavlos, Pensacola's goaltender. And Brady Florent was right there to be able to put it in on the open net. And just a a really big goal for Knoxville because those points, you know, they, they obviously become a premium as the season goes along. And when you look at the standings right now, just in terms of points, Evansville's in first with 20, Fayetteville's in ninth with 13. There's not a ton of separation between these top nine teams trying to vie for these eight playoff spots. So anytime that you can get on a point streak like this, and, and yeah, you can look at it, Knoxville's 3-0-2, and, and you could say, well, Knoxville could be you know 5-0 during this stretch. Well, Knoxville also could be 2-3 and during this stretch. I mean, it's uh, you know, always tough to be able to, to fight off some of these really good teams. And for Knoxville, you know, they, they gave up an early goal to Pensacola. They had to score a late goal to force overtime. They were down by two in the first shootout loss to Peoria and were down in the third period to Roanoke. So this is a, you know, this is a team that has obviously shown some resiliency. They've been able to score some timely goals and it's, it, it's been interesting to see what they've been able to do from a special team standpoint in the last few games where, you know, at, towards the, the halfway point of last weekend, it seems like Knoxville couldn't buy a successful penalty kill. And now Knoxville's in a stance from a special teams perspective where they're 
still shorthanded a lot. They are shorthanded, tied for third in the most time shorthanded of any team in the league. But that penalty kill percentage has gotten a little bit better. Now they're up to fifth in the in the SPHL in penalty kill percentage. And so that's an area where, hey, they were down in the 70s as of last weekend. And now they've kind of worked that way up to the 80% range. And you know, they shut out Macon on the penalty kill. Or, yeah, they shut out Macon on the power play. Then they were able to shut out Roanoke, shut out Pensacola the first night, gave up a power play goal the other night. So... A nice job by Knoxville, I thought, to be able to kind of bounce back and and make some key contributions there, and killed off a double minor early against Pensacola that you know helped them stay in the game and ultimately allowed them to take the lead. And then from a power play standpoint, Knoxville's worked their way up to fourth in the SPHL, and they were outside the top five going into the weekend, and I, I think that's pretty encouraging to see. And what, what's also interesting, and this is something that I mentioned on the broadcast during one of the Pensacola games, is. Okay, you can look at power play percentage, and you see Pensacola, you know, they were above 30% and then dropped back because Knoxville was able to shut them out on that double minor when ultimately it's hard, it's hard to do that. But Knoxville has had more power play opportunities than any team in the league. They've had 64 power play opportunities, and they're second in the league in power play goals. They've got 14. And so the reason that I, I bring this up is because you can look at the percentages, but if you're spending a lot of time on the power play, it means you're probably not spending a whole lot of time in your own net. I know Knoxville gave up two shorthanded goals to make in a couple week uh, last weekend, but I, I think what is important to understand here is from a percentage standpoint, okay, maybe Knoxville doesn't have the highest pure percentage. Pensacola's got the highest percentage, but Knoxville's got 12 more power play opportunities. And if you've seen Knoxville's power play, you feel fairly confident about the Knoxville's chances whenever they get out there. And so 16, at, or excuse me, 14 out of 64 is is still a very solid percentage. Again, we're talking fourth in the SPHL, but the fact that Knoxville's drawing opportunities, and they only had one power play chance on Saturday against Pensacola and failed to convert, didn't get a whole lot of chances that game, but I think it's important to understand that sometimes it's a weapon for Knoxville to be able to play physical hockey, try to skate through defenders and draw penalties and put guys in space. And that was a big reason that Knoxville was on the power play in that overtime win against Roanoke on Wednesday because Cole McKechnie ties up the puck immediately. Jagger Williamson comes in and takes it away and starts skating through the right circle, and suddenly C.J. Stubbs is forced to take him down because he's worried about him getting loose in the right circle. And, you know, he has to prevent that from happening, and so instead Knoxville goes on the power play and Kyler Matthews makes Roanoke pay for it. So I, I think it's just good to see what's happening from a special team standpoint because a week ago I think there was a lot of cause for concern and it seemed like Knoxville had a very positive week from a special team standpoint both on the power play and on the penalty kill if Knoxville continues to draw penalties they're going to continue to get opportunities but and obviously there are exceptions to this rule there have been a lot of shorthanded goals scored in the SPHL by this by the way so far this season uh Pensacola's actually despite having the top power play percentage in the league they have given up three shorthanded goals this year Knoxville's given up two and six other teams have all given up one. So you, you kind of do the math there. We've already had 11 shorthanded goals, and we're not even to December yet. So it, it's it, you know it's not so regimented that, oh, you should never give up a shorthanded goal. Well, just about every team has. In fact, only three teams this season have not given up a shorthanded goal. That's Peoria, Roanoke, and Vermilion County. And... For Roanoke and Vermilion County, those are two of the teams that have not been on the power play as often so far this year. 
um, and their power play percentages for both of them respectively. So sure, they're not giving up shorthanded goals. They're also in the bottom three in the league in power play percentage. So it, it's just something to keep in mind that sometimes teams can, you, you can look at one stat and think, okay, this identifies with a team and, and you have to kind of put the whole picture in there when it comes to a special team standpoint. But I wanted to highlight that because I know that I was critical on the broadcast of what Knoxville was doing from a penalty kill standpoint last weekend, and it was a tough stretch there. They, they had three consecutive games where they gave up two power play goals in each game, and that's not great. And Coach Clark acknowledged that it needed to change, and it didn't change immediately, but it eventually did. And sure, okay, you go six for six against Macon. That's a team that has not had its its best start to the year. But it got you off on a good start that set the tone for the rest of the week because then your penalty kill looked much, much better in your next three games after that. And I think that builds some confidence for when you get ready for what should be a tough week. Obviously, Roanoke is never easy. That's been the case against Knoxville so far this season. And Fayetteville, despite the fact that they've had some struggles this year, I think it's important to acknowledge that, hey, that's a talented team that can do some things, that can play at a high level. And so you, you have to be careful whenever you're playing against a tough team like that. And so kind of ignore the fact that Fayetteville's in ninth right now. They're 6-7-1 and one in the year, 13 points in 14 games. But a lot of the talent that's been there in the past is still there. And at some point, they're going to get hot. At some point, Roanoke's going to get hot. At some point, Pensacola's going to continue to get on a stretch. I mean, Pensacola's won two straight. So it's it's important to know that all these teams are capable of going on runs and you know which, which ones are going to bottom out. Because last year... Birmingham lost a handful of really close games late and that set the tone for the rest of the season and and you haven't really had a team that has been so porous that they're an obvious nine seed and last year I think it was kind of easy to see hey Birmingham's really going to have to get some things together if they're going to want to clinch a playoff spot and by the time they started to get things going it was already March And so it was just too little too late for them to be able to catch up to either Evansville or Roanoke for one of those last two playoff spots. And so this year, we haven't seen that team yet. Sure, Fayetteville's in ninth right now, but I mean, they were in fifth like three days ago. So that's how quickly these things can trot back and forth. I mean, Roanoke went from being in eighth place to being a top five team to then being back in eighth. And that's just how razor thin these margins are. So Evansville's got 20 points, but they've also played 15 games. And other than Pensacola and Fayetteville, nobody else has played more than 13 games. So it, it's really just a matter of seeing how everything's going to play out, but you have to be able to take advantage of opportunities to collect points that you, when you can. And that's why Knoxville being able to have a five-game point streak right now is so important. So you're seeing Peoria. Suddenly they're, they, they started out 3-3, three and three, and now they're 5-0-1 since then. And they're 8-3-1 and one overall, and now they're first in the league in point percentage, and they're third in the league in overall points, and they've got a game in hand over Knoxville, three games in hand over Evansville. And so Peoria right now is playing like the best team in the league, and they're 8-1-1 and in their last 10 games. They've got come-from-behind wins against Knoxville. They held off a comeback attempt by Knoxville to win in a shootout. They you know, beat Quad City after being down 2-1. to And so, sure, they lost an overtime game to Evansville, but other than that, they've been really, really steady over the last two and a half weeks. Birmingham... And they've won six of their last ten. They've won two straight, took care of business against uh, Vermilion County over the weekend, and now suddenly they're eight and four. And I just think you look at how quickly teams can fall. Quad City was the number one team in the league for three weeks. Now suddenly they've lost two straight. They've lost five of their last ten, 
and they're eight and five overall, sitting in fifth place. And it, it's just kind of a matter of, you know, when are when are you going to get hot, and then how do you sustain success? Do you get hot for a stretch and then stay cold for a long time, or do you continually manage to battle and take points away? And that's what that's what's made Peoria such a staple of regular season success is they manage to make it difficult on teams to put them away. And so if you can beat Peoria, you're usually going to have to do so in overtime. And I, I think that's where you, where for, I think, Knoxville's case, you really wish that you could have taken advantage of the third period lead you had against Peoria last Thursday. But it's a long season, and moves are going to be made, and I think you're going to see teams continue to start to learn how to play together, and you're starting to see that with Knoxville a little bit. You know, Dino Balsamo, he's been scratched for a couple of games, but he's on a little bit of a point streak here, and he seems to be finding himself in on the right types of plays. Brady Florent had a goal drought, and despite that, was still contributing offensively, and now he's scored in his last two games, and Justin McDonald continues to just pile on points. And outside of that, you're seeing guys like Cole McKechnie and now Cam Huff with a two-goal night, and just guys being involved in the offense, and that's what Knoxville really needs right now because you don't want to just be a, a team where, okay, we've got one line that has to go out and get three points every night, and then hopefully we just get a fortunate bounce somewhere else. You don't want to be that type of team, and Knoxville's starting to show that they're not going to be that type of team. And I think that's encouraging if you're Brent Clark trying to get ready for a six-game road stretch. So Knoxville will be on the road at Roanoke on Thursday, on the road at Fayetteville on Sunday. That puck drop on Thursday night is at 7.05 Eastern time. Of course, road game watch parties are always at Union Place Bar and Grill on Chambliss Avenue in Bearden. And we will be on the call for you on 105.1 WKCE. You can listen by hitting the Listen Live button on the Knoxville Ice Bears game day app so you can listen right there on your smartphone and then puck drop on sunday will be at three o'clock same time same place as far as watch party and where to listen on the radio thank you so much for checking out the knoxville ice bears podcast i'm joel silverberg be sure to stay up to date with everything at knoxvilleicebears.com in terms of what's happening promotions we've got elf night coming up on december 21st there's going to be specialty jerseys for that night you don't want to miss it so be sure to come on out and support the ice bears and then whether you're listening on apple podcast google podcast or spotify be sure to hit that like subscribe follow button whatever it is however you get your podcast and be sure to tell a hockey fan you know about the knoxville ice bears podcast i'm joel silberg we will talk to you next week two games to recap Uh, by this time next Monday. Thank you again for tuning in. I'm Joel Silverberg. This has been the Knoxville Ice Bears podcast.